This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Swansea has more McDonald's and clean sheets this season, so don't forget your Muck Nuggets are closer than you think with Muck Delivery. The only thing left to say is, you in? Order now in the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app are participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for further details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. What do your music playlists and podcast feeds have in common? They're a reflection of you. And that's how the State Farm personal price plan works too. It gives you options to personalize your coverage so you can protect what you care about most at an affordable price that's just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go to statefarm.com today to create your State Farm personal price plan. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Hello, welcome back to Swans Cast. Um, so we did skip a week last week, we'll be honest, but we're back now to talk about, well, we've got a couple of games actually to address this time, but we're not going to go into detail about all of them. We're just going to touch on some key points and talk about maybe some important themes that might be emerging uh, ahead of the close of the transfer window. And uh, we'll go from there. So I'm joined with Lee today. So welcome back, Lee. Hello again. So yeah, we'll. Uh, I'll be honest, it's my fault we didn't do a video last week. We... Uh, had my wedding and we were there, so it's been a bit of a busy week. And so selfish, I know. Getting but, married, uh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> hopefully, it wouldn't have an impact on our future episodes. Eh? It was, uh, it was a good day though. We enjoyed it. Yeah, and the Swans actually won on the day, so they, yeah. they got the win against Preston, which uh, <clears throat> was a nice, nice thing to have. Anyway, especially with the recent form, which obviously we're going to talk about more going forward. How's your week been so far? Otherwise. Yeah, not bad to be honest. It's been a quiet one, I think. Um, I think I've done anything this week. No, no literally no. working back into the office now, two days a week. No. Um, that's it, I think. Nothing springs to mind. Boring at the moment. Still on a on a hangover from the wedding, actually. It took me a couple of days to recover from that. Bad, was it? Yeah, I was struggling. I was really struggling Sunday and Monday in work. I was all right, actually. I wasn't the hangover at all. But... I guess get dragged around everywhere. I didn't even have a chance to have a proper drink. Yeah. Too, so. yeah. But that's fine because I had to drive to Bristol. So we went up there for a couple of nights at a spa day. It was all good. <laughs> Lovely. Our actual honeymoon got postponed. Meant to be going to Tenerife, but got that to look forward to in the next uh, couple of months. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's been my week. And then going back to work, which is always fun. But uh, yeah, <laughs> don't want to talk about 
of work right now. So let's uh, let's get into it. So as always, we're here to bring the most up-to-date discussion on Swansea City and championship in relation to Swansea City. So if you enjoy what we're doing, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and leave a like on the video as well because it helps to show us you like what we're doing, like what we're discussing, and also tells YouTube you like it so you get to see more and more people will get to see what we're doing as well. Also let us know in the comments what you think. Uh, why don't you let us know what you get up to maybe in your week as well, just uh, get a little bit of um, bit of a community thing going on there. Anyway, let's get into the uh, the results. So there's three games that we missed since the last last episode. So that is, we did get, as I just said, a win at home against Preston, where we won 1-0. Um, obviously, both of us didn't manage to watch that game. But we know Ryan Manning scored a little bit of a belter. Um, so... <laughs> I haven't got much to say. I'll be honest. On the press, no, I did. Uh, I did watch. It. I did. Yeah, I did watch. Like the highlights seemed like it was a bit better um, than Manning scored a screamer. In all fairness, I think yeah. we were just desperate for a win at that point. You know I mean, absolutely desperate. Yeah, no Scott Sinclair played in that game, which is yeah. Uh, so he came off the bench, nearly. And Jay Felton again came off the bench, which is something that we'll probably talk about going into the other two a little bit more because he didn't get that many minutes here. I don't think he got that many minutes in the game before, but it's as if it was a reintegrating of him into the squad because if we move on from Preston and we go on to the next game, which is QPR, which I did manage to watch that one. You, We've got watch? so many games at the moment. I'm losing track. It's just yeah. game after game at the moment. It's mental with all the, the cancellations we had. Well, the midweek game this week just gone was QPR where we went away up there. It was one of the postponed games from... Yeah, I think... Looking at the Christmas. before the QPR game, before this week, I was looking at all the games played and how many games in hand we had. And I think we were on the lowest amount of games played with another team. I can't remember who it was. So yeah, I think the performance hit us yeah, most than other teams because we had loads of games to catch up on. Yeah. And I think it's putting a neg- more of a negative atmosphere on our results as well because, yeah, we did have a bad run of form, but every team has a bad run of form. But because we had some missed games as well, without the opportunity to correct our form, get some points. I know we got the games in hand, but you could lose them all potentially. But what I'm saying is, like, it looks worse in the table than it could be. Like, we'll never know what would have happened in them postponed games. But the fact that other teams have had the opportunities to pick up points where we haven't played those games yet, when we were in the middle of a bad run, I think it just looks a little bit worse. Um you know, it, it's an unfortunate situation and it's always worth remembering the bigger picture sometimes. But yeah, the QPR game. So we went away to QPR. Tricky game, this one. Um, I don't know what you were expecting before it, but they were pushing on for, well, near the automatics at this point. If they'd won that game, they would have gone third. So we went up and got a nil-nil draw and I thought that was a good result, to be honest. Yeah, I was happy with that. I, before the game, I had no... I didn't really give us much of a chance because I think QBR had won four in a row coming into the game. So I honestly, I thought, you know, I just thought we were going to go down and we tend to not have great days at QBR. I think we won there last year, but other than that, it's been uh, um, bad. Well, I know we had the 5 0 win in the Prem, but other than that, I think it's just been a, not, a, not a happy hunting ground for us. Um, yeah. But no, I thought, I thought we played quite well in the QBR game. I thought we were. I saw a side to us that we haven't had for a while where QPR are quite niggly and they, um, and I know we'll come on to like obviously cards and everything which come off the back of that. But um, 
they were quite niggly early on and I thought we I thought we stood up to it quite well. Downs got in the mix, he was physical, lacked Bodier in the first half on that side against that winger who was battling all game. Manning yeah. was physical. I thought it was a good, like hard earned point on the road. I was, I was quite I quite like that. And we nearly nicked it in the end as well. So I thought they played really well. I'd argue I think we were the better team, to be honest. But um yeah, QPR were on four wins in a row in the league. They have since won the game after us after that match as well, where they smashed Red in on the weekend four 0 Yeah. So that just says it says it all really. Um they've got really good home form as well, I believe, stretching back further for the season. They've been quite hard. I think maybe only lost like once or twice at home. So yeah, it was it was it was really positive to go up QPR and get a point. So in terms of the match itself, you know, it's typical we had more possession because of what I was saying these days, 57%. Um, but when I say I think we're the better team, you know, there's been some criticism of our chance creation and ability in front of goal this season, and rightly so, I think. But in this game specifically, we had twice as many shots as QPR. They had six, we had 12. And we also had five on target, whereas they only had two. So it's not like we didn't create the chances, and this is an away game. And as much as we didn't score, and maybe we do need to be more clinical, you know that, that those stats are good for an away game. You, you'd, you'd be happy with that in, in the yeah. normal circumstances. I just think that was a really good away performance in the championship. Just everything, you, everything you need to get points on the road. I thought. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. QPR also had some chances. They hit the woodwork. They probably yeah. should have scored from that that opportunity. They had a couple more. I think maybe in the first half, right at the start. Um, Hamer did make a couple of good saves, put in another good performance, which since Fisher's arrived, it seems to have given him a, a little bit of a kick up the backside um, because he really wants to keep that place, it would seem. So, uh, but yeah, there is definitely some stuff I want to discuss other than key moments. I just want to discuss some things in regards to maybe the team. And I think it would be a good conversation to start off with going into what will be the end of the transfer window, probably by the time this video is out. Um, and on that note, I'm probably we're probably going to do another video later this week in regards to a recap and discussion on the transfer window itself. So we probably won't discuss too much of that stuff today, just um, to keep you aware of what's going on in this podcast. But for me, you just mentioned Latabodia and physical side, right? But and I, I don't want to be like going in on him because it's not him like as a player or as a person. It's just where he's being used and how he's being used. And it just is not working for me. And a lot of our issues that both defensively and offensively, I feel like he's in a position where we've just got to get a spot on for this, this to work properly. And um, I feel a bit sorry for him, really. But I, I don't think he had the best of games. I think he was decent defensively, other than the fact he was up against a winger where... If he was beat, he was beat because he hasn't got the pace of maybe what he should have for that position. So the winger knew that and he was challenging him. And like you said, it got a bit physical. I think it got to the point where he knew he had to bring him down sometimes because it was the only way to stop him, which you could say is good good defending. But then when you look on the other shoe as well, when he's going forward, there were so many good positions he got himself into. I think even once he ran through on goal. But that decision-making and the end product after that or the cross or whatever it is, it's just not there in his game. And it's understandable because he's a centre-back. But um, we're not asking him to be a left-back or right-back. We're asking him essentially to be that and a winger. And yeah. it's where we focus our attacks from quite often in the system. 
and that's what my big concern is. But I don't know how you feel about that. No, hundred percent. We said it early on in the season that we, when he plays in there, it just doesn't work. And I got nothing against him because I think, I think he's all right. Like like you said, defensively, I think he's quite tidy. But playing a centre back as a wing back, it's just never it's just never going to work. Like you said, there were times in that game and there were times in the whole game, which we'll come on to later. But he's getting forward in those positions, and essentially you're asking him to like, you know, beat the defender and get a cross in, or beat the defender and and get a shot off as a wing back, and he just is just not in his locker at all. And yep. it is affecting us because the way that he's trying to play Russell Martin, we're dependent a lot on those wing backs to actually create something and get in the right areas. And if you put a centre back in there, you're just not going to get much return off it. And uh, I, I I do feel sorry for him a bit because he just seems a bit. Especially in the attacking areas, he just looks a bit lost when he gets that ball, and he's got to try and do something. It just, it just doesn't work. And that's nothing against him, like we said. Yeah, it's weird to see Manning still playing centre back and Latibodia trying to. I don't get, I back. don't, I don't get this. See, I understand that he wants to play Norton and Manning there. Maybe it's, you know, whatever his idea is, and it and it has worked when he had Bidwell there. But now that we don't have a full back, why doesn't he play Manning on as full as a wing back? Makes no sense to me because Manning is great uh, yeah. at getting forward and he's you know he's a great left foot to get crosses in and shots off as we've seen when he scored. It just makes no sense to me. And I'm assuming we're going to replace Bidwell because well, we have to surely at the moment. I can't see why we sold him unless they're replacing him because we're desperate for a wing back. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it scared his wages off the books, wasn't it? Because he was running out anyway, so yeah, but that's but... that's fine, but you've got to bring in. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree. They need to get someone in. Um, speaking of left foot as well, Latabodia cannot use his left foot, which is causing more problems again when he's in the crossing positions. Um, but then, you know, as a centre back, you don't often need to be able to use both to you, unless you're being forced to play up on the wing. As for Manning playing centre back instead of left back, I think I completely agree there as well. We need centre-backs that fit in centre-backs so that we can free him up maybe to go on the left. Or if he wants to keep him in the centre-back, we need to get a left-back in. Um, but at the same time, when he has gone on the left and we have played the current centre-backs who were at the club in the back three, we've talked about it before, they all seem a little bit too slow for what is expected of them there, especially when Manning yeah. is pushed up so far. That creates other problems. And when our bad form started... Um, it kind of coincided with the fact that Bidwell dropped out of the team man and pushed up to the left wing back role and either like Cabango and Bennett was with Norton or Reese Williams was there and there was just a lot of gaps and Manning Yeah, that's been our main You can't really problem. blame Manning because oh, no. you've got to do both, but the centre back is not able to cope without the support yeah. because of the way we play and they're left exposed and they haven't got the pace to catch up after being exposed like quite often we lose the ball ourselves because of the way we play in a bad position and the first thing we need to do is set up defense like get our shape back correctly but the opposition they all know this and it's quite clear they all know this they've got to be as direct as possible as soon as they win that ball back get some pace running into these gaps and that's literally where we concede in all of our goals and the center backs being isolated that's where the problem is so i think that's why yeah that's why they, he's flipping them, I think. But like, it just still doesn't make sense. But then, it begs the question: Why we still haven't filled that gap for me? Like, we're nearly at transfer deadline day, and the gap. Yeah, still... well, we knew this. This has been the case all season. We we've picked it out before. 
we always concede our goals in those gaps between the wing back and the and the wide centre back. Um, it, we said it before. It was either you know sometimes Bennett and Led they'd get in that gap behind Led and round Bennett on the other side, whoever Cabango and Matt, whatever. So I can understand why you put Man in there because if the wing backs are caught forward, then Manning can sort of shift into a left back. He can do that if the wing back is caught forward, and that's fine. He's obviously identified that. But like you said, with this has been a problem all season. He struggled to sort of fit in sometimes. I think Cavango and Bennett, and I don't know. It's hard to put him in. So what? Like like you said, why haven't we? Why haven't we solved this problem yet? It yeah. should have been the first thing on the list. Like, did did we need? And I'm, it, it may it may come good in the end, and I'm sure it will. But did we need a goalkeeper to sit on the bench? Was that a priority? That was the sort of the first one in the door. Was that important? Got a, I got to feel like he wasn't going to sit on the bench until Hamer decided to put a rocket up his ass. No, but I just thought, like, I know, like, Hamer made a couple of mistakes in December, so that kind of fueled the, oh, we need a new goalkeeper. But I just don't think at the time it was a massive priority to have a yeah, new Yeah, I don't goalkeeper. think he did. We needed a new keeper, but then people were calling for a new keeper when Woodman was making a couple of mistakes last year. I just yeah, think it's going to happen. You're in the championship. You've got to get used to a keeper that's not always going to be top quality all the time. And they're going to make some mistakes sometimes. Every team has got it at this level. So every time they have a couple of bad games, you can't just be asking for a new goalkeeper. Going back to even Mulder, like, is Hamer better than what Mulder was offering us, really? Like, is he? Is he that much better? I'm not saying... I'm not trying to knock Hamer now. I'm just saying, in terms of the quality of the keepers that we've had, I don't... No one standing out has been this much better. Do you know what I mean? Like, and yeah, like Maldo was a bit, he was a really good shot stopper. Um, I think, I think like Woodman only stood out because he was a very good shot stopper and saved penalties. But apart from that, there's there's not really much difference between them since Fabianski. Is he starting at um, Newcastle now? I don't think so. No, he must be like third choice now. I think he did start seven games. Didn't he? he started at the beginning of the season because they were they were they had injuries. But then, is it? Uh, Bravka and Darlow, isn't it? Um, She's like third choice goalkeeper there now. <clears throat> Let's have a look. I'll, I'll have a quick look while we're discussing. Yeah, De... yeah, he's not even making the bench. Is it Dubravka? Oh, no, he is. He's on the bench. He's on the bench. Oh, he is on the bench. Yeah, fair yeah so you yeah. must have got to number two, which I guess is at his age. He probably is happy with that in the Prem, but um, he's got time on his side, doesn't he? I guess. Yeah. But we know you're tough with Wood anyway. But yeah, so that's for me is left wing back. I know we're going to have a transfer window episode, as I said earlier. So hopefully something gets addressed in the next day or two. Um, I'll be concerned if we go into the rest of the season without a left wing back. And oh. that's Latibodia's role for the rest of the season because oh, no, no. it's just not going to work. Well, but the thing is, even when. This is why I'm not not, con- not like too concerned about anything at the moment because it's still short in Martin's time. But um, they're just seeing the same things all the time. Like we're only seeing gaps in bad defending. If that makes sense, so we got in like before Christmas, which conceding goals for fun. Like Redin ripped us apart, and Andy Carroll did. Forrest ripped us apart. Um, other t- and then we had a bit of a gap where we we were quite solid against QPR. And then, and then against Hull, then which will come on, they just seem to cut us apart as well in spells. As well in spells. Yeah. So I like this is just a theme that hasn't been addressed. Even though he likes to play, I don't know, man in or whatever we said, whatever centre back, we just haven't addressed the defending. 
we get absolutely cut apart by average teams. Yeah, but there's a theme that I spoke about earlier on the season in, in the podcast that has happened again. But I won't talk about it till we get to the Hull game because I didn't realise it until I just saw it. I just remembered because obviously we didn't watch the Preston game because we were busy getting drunk. Um, <laughs> I only just clicked that it's happened again. And it's not just the result, it's the performance, right? So even though we didn't win against QPR, it was good performance. And then it's a performance against Hull was very bad. Across, like that's what the narrative seems to be. Um, and I'll, yeah, I'll discuss it when we get there anyway. In regards to other key issues I want to address, though, obviously, Latipodia is one of them, which has been, I've been shouting about it all season, to be fair. Um, just before we move on, though, if we can't fix this position, what I would like to see, which I don't think is going to happen, but what I would like to see is him go to a back four. And just drop that wing back roll. So the back four is already on the pitch. You've got Manning, Norton, Cabango, Christie. And just use one of the other guys, like you've got Felton and Walsh there. So just use one of those instead. And maybe have like that extra player be, I don't know, you could have two sitting midfielders and one attacking with the wingers or whatever. I know it's difficult because we don't have wingers. So it would be the same kind of system up front. It wouldn't necessarily be as wide. But do you know what I'm saying? Maybe go yeah. to a diamond or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think we would get more out of it using those players rather than putting a centre back somewhere where it's not working. Yeah, I get what you mean. I just, yeah. <laughs> I guess it depends what they do in the window. If, like, you don't know what they've said. If they said, oh, look, you can have X, Y, and Z, I can understand that he's got a system that he wants to play and he's going to play that. That's fine. I can understand that he wants to do that. But it is getting to the point now where we still haven't got the players and we're in, what, the end of January and all season we still haven't got the players that can play in the system that he wants. Yeah. Um, and I know he came in late in the season, but still, like, this should have been the first one on the list. This should We should have, January the 1st, we should have had a player in the door that we needed. I played devil's advocate to you and I'll say I feel like January's not gone the way we thought it was going to go in December, like even at the club. Just, well, two reasons really, mainly. Led getting recalled, all of a sudden you've got to prioritise that position, which arguably is more of a concern than the left because there wasn't a right back. If he's considering Norton as the main man in the middle, it was not the first team right back, whereas at least we still at the time had Manning and Bidwell. Um, yeah, yeah. And the second thing is the whole Patterson situation, which is probably having a bit of a knock-on effect because if he goes, you need to replace him or like, okay, you're accepting he's going, but you need someone to bid so that you can at least free up the money to use that to replace someone. I just, it's not helping things is what I'm saying. But like, I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm just looking at the other other side of the coin here and saying that obviously they've had the hurdles that probably weren't expected and perhaps like they thought Felton was going to be not here and that's some yeah. funds they were hoping to use but and I, and again we'll talk about this perhaps more when we get to hell but he came off the bench in this game uh, a little bit earlier on so he came on for Wolf in the 66th minute so this the you know it's getting earlier and this is what I mean about it seems like he's getting reintegrated into the team he went on to start against Hull because of uh, the red card for um, Downs 
whereas he hasn't really kicked the ball for like three months before. Yeah, couldn't even get on the bench for the last the last uh, couple. Yeah, something's clearly changed there. You know, it was like he had a conversation with Martin earlier the season that, by all accounts, t- was told he could leave. That might still be the case, but why all of a sudden is he now getting reintegrated into the squad? Yeah, no, like, I know. Must yeah. Have changed. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and then so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just think I just yeah. No, I agree with you, and it just worries me how quick we were to get rid of people. Um, Bidwell, Whitaker, Cullen, um, and nothing's really come the other way. I mean, we had a like for like replacement with lead, which was what we had to do. Like they did, they did that pretty quick. So that was just one in, one out. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I you just... say Whitaker and Cullen, we've had Joseph back, which. It's essentially the same thing as one of those being. Yeah, but he's not he's and, playing them, is he? Well, he's coming off the bench, isn't he? And most of like the Cullen was moment. playing quite a bit, wasn't he? I think we saw quite I a bit. Know, of I don't think he was coming on that much towards the end. I think he's used Kyle Joseph exactly the same way that he was using Cullen. Um, Maybe we used like but Kyle Joseph as a wing back. Yeah, but I, Thinking I think of that. he has before, hasn't he? So and just put him there, if, yeah. you know. And um, Wolf as well has come in. So in terms of Whitaker and Cullen going, those two have technically these two bodies back. back yeah, Wolf. Team. Wolf is one though. He came in, and it seemed a bit strange. Was he? A, seemed like a replacement for Patterson. Um, I'm not really sure because obviously Patterson's still not gone, is he? So we can't. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Patterson's gone. Not when the transfer window's shut. Um. So it seemed like they brought him in ready for Patterson to go. Because where does like how are they going to fit it in now with if Patterson doesn't go and Fulton doesn't go? What Corey was the point Smith doesn't play in? Cam anymore, which is where my second point is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like That's that needs one. to stop happening right now. Yeah. Because it's just I've got nothing against Corey Smith again, same as Latabodia, but he's not he doesn't what does he do in an attack? Unless he's in the right position where a pass is an assist. I'm not like like he got one the other day, didn't he? I can't remember who it was against, but he got an assist. Um, but like it wasn't like he played a magical split in through ball, you know, really creative and stuff. He was just making a good run and he played the ball across for basically a tap in. It was in down scored. Um, oh, against Huddersfield, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, like. I heard he had quite a bad game against Hull and his touch was really off. Um, we saw him when we just watched the highlights busting the gut to get back defensively, which, fair play, that's good. We, you always want players to run back and defend. But the defenders and the midfielders should be doing that, not the centre-attacking midfielders, which just says to me he's in the wrong role. Yeah. And it's obviously the bigger question to ask why the others would do it. But um, he just, yeah, it is always going to limit our creativity having like him there and Latvodia there and it is no coincidence to me that we're struggling to score goals with them in those positions yeah yeah I totally agree we'll probably we'll make, well, we may as well move on to Hull and then we'll we'll pick up Corey Smith yeah. again and everything so yeah so the last thing before we do obviously Downs did get a red card um two yellow card incidents one of them was a cynical foul um second one which he was lucky perhaps not to get one before yeah. for arguing with Charlie Austin. Um, what did he and do? Was, grab? Yeah, I, I, it would, I know like Charlie Austin probably brought on the second one in the end, but 
he, he was lucky to be on the pitch at that point because he had the a niggle with Charlie Austin before that when he sort of kicked Manning in the face. And he should yeah. have had a yellow card for that as well. So they both should have walked at the end. Um, and then he had another one then where somebody was sort of breaking and he's just gone two hands to the back and given him a shove. And they didn't go down. But if they went down, I was second yellow. So I think it was definitely coming. Yeah. The one he actually got the second yellow for, though, it was very clever by Charlie Austin. I don't, yeah. think, it was, I don't think he should have got a yellow for it. But the fourth official basically, he didn't have a clue, basically. And he just went with the easy answer. I was like, oh, I don't know what happened. Just give him both a yellow card. Yeah. Basically, yeah, Charlie Austin had him in the head to lock, pulled him on the floor and made it look like Downs had put him on the floor, essentially. Yeah. Um, which Downs couldn't get away from it, but then ended up getting sent off as a result. But uh, he was yeah, able. To... Uh, he got he himself given, into a couple of situations the... where. Yeah, he was given the it. option to do that, though, Charlie Austin, because he didn't get a yellow card for the other one, which he should have. Yeah. So he was able to do that. And then just coming back to that, then, like I said about QPR being niggly, and there were so many fouls and yellows. And uh, I saw, like, we had a bit of a backlash, like, oh, we committed so many fouls. And I was like, it's not the first time it's happened with QPR. They had a bust up with Bournemouth a few weeks ago as well, where they sort of fined both teams for not controlling their players because there was a bit of a bust up on the pitch. And I just think, it's just, QPR have always been one of them sides. They're so niggly. I remember they came down to Liberty one year and we drew nil-nil and uh, they should have had about four men sent off and the doors to Vries got kicked in the face and like broke his jaw. And I think like Tate... Is that when goals. you had to wear the mask? Yeah. That was QPR. They've just always been one of them sides. Always niggly, always just yeah. that the case all the time. Just got to have a look at the, like, like both teams had 15 fouls in this game. We had more yellows. But um, if you look at QPR over the season, see the fouls are quite high. Maybe it says a story like. Yeah. yeah. And we're not usually like that. We don't usually have about eight deal cards in the game. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Martin did speak about the incident. He did say um, Charlie Austin was clever, but yeah. he also said like Downs should hopefully learn from it. Probably doesn't need yeah, to learn from it, yeah. which is fine. He's still young. It happens. That's... It used to happen to Shelby all the time. Yeah. But going back to that, though, that's what I liked about that performance. Like We picked up more yellow cards than we usually do, more fouls than we usually do. We sort of matched that um, physicality that they brought, and we sort of you know matched it and got a point as well. So I liked that side of us. Yeah, they were up for it. However, we didn't take that form when we went to Hull. Um, well, you know, it was quite quite a bit of traveling this week, but can't use that as the excuse every team. Oh, I know. We, we had a bit of stick for only taking X amount of fans to Hull when. Yeah, we, I had that like, off my Cardiff. Uh, yeah, friend. Huddersfield away, then QPR away in the week, and then we're well, not Huddersfield away last weekend. I mean, we had Huddersfield away. It's expensive, like I'm not being funny. It's I know how how can just. And and it's you know it's not sounding like whinging, but we we do have further to go than anyone else when you've got to come across Wales as well. Um, yeah. Four and a half hour drive. The traffic's good, so to Hull. So like, oh, I've been to Hull before, and it is an absolute trek and it's horrific. It's without you at any roadworks and all that sort of stuff, yeah, especially so the hat, Hats off to anybody going to Hull, and then people went. It was a massive following to QPR on a Tuesday night. Nobody said anything about that. It was a great following against QPR. Yeah, but they only take the photo when it looks empty. Like even if half of them are in again a burger, do you know what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter the pictures there then. I I think our following is outstanding to be fair. For our like fan base size. I think we've got an amazing away following. And that's the other point, right? To all the Cardiff fans that like to put you know, say stuff like this, right? 
before I'm, I don't want to be told, oh, look, I'm saying this now, the biggest team of Wales, that, that, this, that, the other. <laughs> I'm not on about that. Geographically and factually, Swansea has got a much smaller population than Cardiff, especially when you include the surrounding areas. That factors in, for example, to why Cardiff might have a bigger stadium. It, it may, you know, it's, it's quite common sense why that would be the case. So in terms of how many people from Swansea probably go to away games compared to like for example Cardiff I'm just using them as an example because they're the ones giving grief geographically it makes sense that maybe there's a difference there you know yeah. if we're selling out a 20,000 seat stadium for a city of the population size of Swansea that's a good achievement to be honest yeah I think we've always and, had a class following though I always thought to yeah, and when, when you get Cardiff, who maybe sell like 22 or 23, 24,000 in the Prem or whatever they were doing, I don't think the difference of um, like the couple of thousand more that they are getting should be anything to brag about when they, you know, as they say, they're the capital of Wales. They should have a, they should have a big following. They should have more people to come and watch them. It's the capital of Wales at the end of the day. They like to brag about it. So own it at the end of the day. Yeah. Just saying, well, you know, it's it's like saying if Newport or Wrexham got to the same league, and all of a sudden, you know, their their fan base is following them similar levels to what Swansea have. Well, they they're going to still be proud of the fact that they got a couple more thousand than Newport and Wrexham, is it? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. But yeah, rant over. <laughs> <laughs> there won't be any Cardiff fans listening to this anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Hull game. So obviously, we went away to Hull. Um, Bit of a poor performance. Now, the thing I want to talk about in terms of the trend, I mentioned before, it happened twice in a row. I think it happened another time after, and it's happened again. So, and I don't use this as an excuse, because you said at the time, like, that that can't be used as an excuse. I completely agree it can't, but it clearly is a problem, and it's a problem that we need to address somehow. And I feel like it must be down to the, the effort that this playing style takes. And whether that all goes back to not having a pre-season, not having proper conditioning and fitness regimes done in the summer, which is still biting us in the ass. And and maybe now the whole couple of weeks where we didn't really train properly for COVID has brought it back a little bit where they're not as fit as they should be. Um, we'll only find that out, I guess, next season when we have a proper summer and hopefully can have proper training. Maybe it'll make a difference. But basically, three games in one week, two Decent performances, you know, a win, a, a, a draw, a QPR. I would say two good performances, yeah. Third one falls off a cliff. So it's oh, yeah. happened again. That is definitely a theme, yeah. It's, it's happened again. Um, I said it earlier this season, it happened two weeks in a row, and it's happened again. So, I, I, look, I understand people have said, oh, I can't say that, you know, it's an excuse. But when it's happened so many times, and it's always the third game in a three-game week, and it's not just the result, it's the performance that's completely like, like everyone's getting a bit excited again after QPR, we did well. And then it's like a completely different team. There's something in it for me, I think. Definitely something in it. Yeah, like you said, it's probably fitness, but also um, our squad depth at the moment is frightening. I know we've still touched on what we need in the transfer window, but sometimes I look at our bench and I'm just like, who who's going to change the game? Um especially against QPR, I think. Um, I know they've actually got a good point in the end, but when I looked at the bench, I was just thinking, like, what is going to happen? And sometimes you think, oh, come on, he's got to make a change, he's got to make a change, and then you look at the bench, and it's just, 
I don't know, we can bring on to make a change. So we kind of, you know, Norton plays three games in a week, Grimes plays three games in a week, and they all, you know, the distance they put in, it doesn't really change that much. I mean, when we try and do our fan hub prediction, what changes? It's only if it's going to be Smith, Wolf, or in Cham as one of as two out of the three yeah. in the middle. That's the only thing that changes. So other than that, most players are playing three games a week, and they will this week again. Yeah. One, you say about the depth on the bench. One player has been there since Christmas, essentially since the Southampton game. Azim Abdullah, who I don't believe has made his debut, or at least hasn't made his league debut. Um, we signed him from Leicester, did we? I don't know when we signed him, but he came from Leicester, their youth setup. I'll uh, I'll do a quick check. I've, I've looked at him on Sofa Score, and he's got some games on you over there, Premier League Two team. So I, th- I believe he came from Leicester, but like, it's I know he's a youngster who obviously must be playing or doing decent in the under twenty threes to get on the bench and whatever. But the fact that he has been on there for like four or five games in a row and not come on, he's just fell in the bench up now, isn't he? Really? Yeah. Because we haven't and, and, that, and that links to your point. If he's not there because he's an option now, Russell Martin feels he can bring on to change the game, then that's concerning because he's just there to take a seat and it's like, oh, you can have some experience of being being at the game or whatever. Um, he's a midfielder, I think, as well. So when you've got like Liam Walsh there, if you bring him on instead of Liam Walsh, what's that saying as well to Liam Walsh or... Yeah, he blood in the youth, but Liam Walsh hardly kicks the ball, so yeah, yeah. But I, I guess if we do make one or two more signings, he probably would be the one that drops out. But if we have one or two injuries, I guess that's where the issue is is um, going to be more apparent then. Yeah, because who actually does come in? Yeah, well, this is it. This is worrying because even now, like we said about lead before, what if Christie gets injured? Who's playing wing back? Corey Smith probably or Kyle Joseph perhaps I don't know. Yeah, it's just not good enough. It's not good. I enough. mean that Rashisha was looking about the first team for a while without actually putting his foot in the door. I don't know if he's still uh, an option, but he got injured a bad injury I think didn't he? I don't know if he's back now. Yeah. And we got that Lincoln McFadden on the left as well. I don't know why. Why can't why can't we give him a go? Yeah. Why are you playing like a centre back at full back? Couldn't you give one of these boys a run out? I don't know. Well, I think he has had a run out in the cup game earlier this season, but like, yeah, I don't know. I don't see what the harm is. If, if you're going to have this Azim guy on the bench and he's not going to come on, whereas we actually haven't got a left back playing left back, can you put him on the bench and bring him on in the last 10 minutes, see if he could actually play there? But also, having said that, thinking about that now with Latipodia, if you think he can play as a wing back, why can't he play as a right sided centre back like Manning does? I don't know. I, you obviously don't trust him because you haven't used him as centre back. Like, I think he played know. against he played against Preston away, didn't he? Uh, as centre back, and I think he had a really bad game, didn't he? I think he should have given away a penalty, and he wasn't given. And I think he had a poor game. But I, I don't know. We're still playing him in the wrong position, and we went to Brighton, didn't we? And that thing with him and Corey Smith just doesn't work. So, but when they're on the only... same side, it's even worse than now. Yeah. 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 And I feel bad for them because they're not saying because I think Corey Smith plays well when he plays in the middle, and I'd like to see Latipodia play centre back to sort of judge him properly. But playing those two in a, like where you're asking them to attack 
it's just standing out so much, you know? Yeah. A couple of other points then. I think Grimes is consistently showing he is important um, in this system. I will... Game against QPR. Yeah. I will say something, though. I, yeah. Grimes has been amazing for us, but on Saturday, I noticed a massive difference when Flynn Downs is not there. But I think, I think we missed him massively. I know, but I think like having Flynn Downs there, I, I think that sort of asks a bit, you know, a different question of Grimes, and I think he looked not lost, but I don't know, not himself on Saturday. But you probably think, say that about the whole do you team. Do you think he's, he knows he's got that protection and it allows him to yeah. express himself a bit more? Yeah. Because we have seen it this season. Is he had a good game against QPR, but it obviously wasn't. As we have against. seen it this season where Grimes has, you know, gone through the roof with his passing stats and creating chances and stuff like that. His stats are brilliant, but I think Flynn Downs a lot like enables that to happen a lot. Yeah, but and that's desperately missing. Fair play to Downs, and but that's obviously how the team's set up, and this part is is how he wants it to work, isn't it? So. When it works well, that's what we want to happen. So, um, and if Downs is allowing that to happen, hope, hopefully, it can keep going good. It's just, I think they're there. I don't. I'm not worried about them in that as part of the pitch when when they're yeah. both there. It's the next stage up where we can't get that next ball is where most of the, I think, improvements need to be made. Um, in regards to Downs, though, and obviously Felton is the one that stepped in to replace him. Obviously, you said we missed Downs a lot. Now, is that like saying Felton is not going to be good enough to do the same job? Or are we going to have to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's hardly kicked a ball for the last yeah. couple of months? Yeah, well, this is it. I like Felton, he didn't have a good game on Saturday against Hull. He wasn't very good. Um, but you could say that across the board. I don't think anybody really played well against Hull. But you have got to take into the fact that, like you said, he hasn't kicked the ball for months and months. And then he's straight in, um, straight in to start the game. He's had a couple of, you know, couple of appearances off the bench, but um, yeah, I think he needs a couple of games before we can start saying that's his Swansea career over. He should never play again. With some of the comments I've seen, um, I think that's a bit harsh. But yeah, we'll we'll see on that. Really that. Yeah, I've seen like oh, I can see what you know. Oh, they can see why Russell Martin's not playing him. He shouldn't be playing, you know, stuff like that. Um, I mean, you saw it for the last couple of years. Every every Swans fan has. They know what he can do. I don't think yeah. you can judge it off one game where the entire team's put in a howler. No, we were all the, the whole team was awful on Saturday, so I don't think it's really fair to blame it on him. Yeah, I mean, go back to the stats you said about the passing stats. Just someone we tweeted the other day, I thought was quite interesting. A fair play for his Flynn Downs allowing it to happen, but Mac Rhymes this season in uh, England's top four tiers has played the most passes out of any player, and it's not even close, which is. For yeah, me, it's the madness. most amazing thing. 2,375 completed passes. That's not attempted passes, that's accurate passes. So people who say, like, I don't know, all the stuff they say about him, I just think this just... It doesn't... Like, you've got to be a quality player to put that number in regardless. Second place is Fulham's Tim Ree in uh, 1,738. And then it's Kyle Norton actually in third, yeah. which is crazy. 1,653. Someone from MK Dons and then two Man City players. Now, also though, I guess it does highlight the point that passing doesn't actually always get you what you want, which is obviously results. <coughs> Man City obviously base their game around passing and keeping the ball. Although I think 
those two might be a little bit lower because of Pep's rotation policy. Yeah. Which I will put that in there as well. But it does obviously say a lot about how we need to try and focus yeah, but this, more on this is, as well. This is my frustration at the moment because <coughs> we're guaranteed to have 60-70% possession and complete 4 million passes and all. That's great. That's great. Um, but we don't, we don't do much with it. Um, I know we had like a couple of shots against QPR, but we're never peppering the goal. We're never like we're never sort of creating too many problems. I don't think not as much as we should be with the amount of possession that we have. Um, we should be creating a lot more. And I know we're desperate for creative players, um, but uh, yeah, I just I just don't think we create enough. Whether that's because you know we spoke about Corey Smith playing an attacking role and that doesn't work, um, but yeah, I just think something's got to change. In the long run, I mean, on the whole, we've got to be happy with what we've had this season so far. But I think if it carries on this way, I'm a bit worried about the way we play sometimes. We can have 80% possession, but then when teams actually come at us, they're cutting us apart, and then we're not actually creating anything at the other end. So just to like put the stats out there for the Hull game, it was 66% possession, which, again, I know that doesn't matter so much. However, which doesn't necessarily go against the narrative of what we've been saying, but I didn't watch all of the games, so I can't, I can't you know, tell you the quality of, of these chances. But Hull had five shots, two shots on target, obviously clinical. We had 15 shots with five on target. Does that surprise you? Yeah, it does, because I just don't think... We had a couple of chances, like Oberfemi had a good chance, the keeper saved onto the bar, and then <laughs> there was one where Walsh obviously... In all fairness, it was a lovely free kick and come off the post. And Perot probably should have put the rebound in, which just went wide. But apart from that, I can't think of a a chance where I thought, oh, we should have scored there. You know, we had loads of chances. Oh, we should have we should have got something. It was only those two chances that really stand out for me. Um, so Sofa score saying that there was two big chances. Obviously, we missed them both, and that we hit the post twice or the woodwork twice. Yeah, so it's the, probably the two I'm speaking about. The free kick at the post and Oberfemi. Yeah, I don't know if the free kick would have counted as the big chance. Probably would have been the rebound. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, he should have put the rebound in. Could some, just could pick something up with Perot as well. Like, I'm not, not saying he's a bad player overnight, but I just he has not playing that well. I don't know if it coincides with Patterson going out of the team. He's not getting much service. It just doesn't look himself at the moment. I'm not seeing... I don't know, he used to come deep, didn't he? he used to come deep and pick up the ball and bring players in and um the QPR game he was offside a lot. Um I just don't know if maybe Patterson coming out the side has affected that. He's not used to I feel like yeah. Wolf maybe has come in. Yeah, I feel like Patterson they had a good connection. We obviously made that meme about it. They were assisting yeah. each other all the time. Yeah. So that's obviously been lost. I mean, for me, Corey Smith is not an attacker, so he's not getting nothing that side, and he's developing a new relationship with Wolf. So he's not getting the ball very much. And he's not, and I think when he is getting a chance, he's probably snapping at it because he knows he's not getting many, a little yeah. bit. And the other thing is as well, but he's just on a bit of a bad run. So obviously, that the longer that goes on, the harder it is. He needs to one to go in to try and snap out of it. But I think maybe I don't know how much was in it, but it could be interesting because we're in January. And this is, seems to be when the, you know, his form has tailed off. But Leicester was sniffing around, wasn't he, a couple of weeks ago? Apparently, yeah. Wonder yeah. whether he knew anything about that. Or his agent said something, and it's just taking his eye off the ball a little bit. 
Yeah, maybe. He's de- we're definitely not seeing what we saw earlier on in the season at the moment, whatever the reason is. Um, yeah, he could be right, because we, sit- we were sat here this time last year when there was reports that Steve Cooper wanted to go to Palace, and we were like, oh, there's no way. And then our dove dip in form started, and we were like, oh, I wonder if it was because there was a bit of interest from Palace. I wonder if that had a, an effect on it. And then the bad form just continued until he left in the summer. Speaking of Steve Cooper, um, everyone seems to be loving him again. I, I've uh, noticed in the comments lately. Oh, magically. All of a sudden, you know, he, he did a really good job with what he had to Swansea. He did really well here and all this, that, the other, which um, obviously wasn't the case when Neil wanted him to leave in the summer. Yeah, because he uh, played terrorist ball and all that sort of rubbish. And now everyone's, because we're leaking goals defensively, is saying that, you know, as Steve Cooper did, he should shore up the defence first and foremost and then start playing nice, pretty passing football. Oh, look at that. Imagine, imagine suggesting that. <laughs> I just find it funny how the attitude of a lot of people can shift all of a sudden just because of a couple of results, isn't there? Like, if you oh, ask yeah. for something, you've got to be able to deal with the ups and downs of it and maybe yeah, you also we, learn we, to appreciate what you've got even if it isn't the most enjoyable thing all the time we've still got um, we've still got a long way to go with this I mean we said all along we're going to have dips like this all season but we can obviously point out where we think we need to improve uh, yeah long way well, to well, go we four months into it four months into the project like it's not really that long yeah, well, yeah plenty of time left four or five months so yeah like proper... another one not Proper criticism, I think, from next season for me. But yeah, yeah go on. And another one, um, and Cham frustrates me a bit because I don't know if I think that he's not fit. I think that he didn't have a preseason. I think we had him on a free. I don't think he was training with anyone before we signed him. Um, sort of in and out of the team, like he plays a half and he comes off half time. You're a niggle, and then he's out for a week. Then he's out for a game, and then he's back in, and then he starts for a bit and. I, it's just frustrating for me at the moment. I don't think he's 100% fit. But also, I know he gets a lot of uh, plaudits because I think, like to be fair, when he does like come off the bench like against Hull, he does inject a bit of energy into the game. But then it doesn't really do anything for me. Like I know he, like a lot of people like him, and I do think he's a good player, but I'm just not seeing it for me at the moment. But I think it's because he's not fit. But like, I know he scored like lo- the lovely Would goal Would you notice against... if he's in the team instead of Corey Smith, though? Well, I, this is it. I know I don't think so because I know he scored the lovely goal against Luton, and he scored a couple of goals. He scored like a goal against Peterborough, I think. Um, but apart from that, has he done anything? Yeah, well, Corey Smith's never scored. Well, yeah, I know, but I'd like, well, yeah, but what, what, what are we asking him to do? Maybe he's just. I don't I think don't he's know, fit. So I'm not saying I think he's. I think he's. Yeah. A, I th- no, and again, I'll caveat it. I think he's a quality player. I don't think he's 100% fit, though. We're not getting the full 100% out of him, I don't think. I think what you're saying is, like, you can see he's a good footballer when he's playing, yeah. but you don't really know what he's been asked to do or what he's meant to be doing on the pitch. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But, yeah, it's and that's why it's frustrating, because I think we've got one hell of a player there, and I think it was a great yeah, sign. You can get out of a tight position when he's, like, triple-marked really well, I've noticed yeah. a couple of times. And... Yeah, and he does bring a lot of energy, but then, I don't know, I'm expect I'm... I'm waiting for more because I think I can see. But what I he's feel got like it. I feel like that's quite similar to most of the team because it's such a focus on like pass, pass, pass. Um, the thing that is mainly missing for me to allow players like Cham to have a bit of space to do something, yeah, is pace. Yeah, 
up the wings. Yeah. Stretch the game. It's all quite narrow sometimes because we don't have anyone there unless the wing back's there. Christie probably does it a bit, like Laird used to do it a bit, but you're not going to get it the other side. So it's quite narrow and they obviously go in sideways, sideways. And often if we're having 60%, 70% of the ball, you don't got much time and space to use it because the chances are the opposition is defending against you all the time, quite deep in their half. So you're either passing it around your back for all five, or when you get forward, it's like a one-two or try and move, make a bit of space, pass it back to the person, pass it to you, and so on, which is fine. That's the style of play, but that's probably why we're not necessarily seeing what he can do because you're giving him the ball probably on the edge of the box and he's marked, he's going to yeah. give it to someone straight away. Whereas when we have the opportunity to run at the teams, we haven't got the pace to do that effectively where he can maybe be on the edge of a box and do something. Yeah, no, you're right. I think, uh, and it comes back to your point earlier about a pre-season, I don't think he's fully fit. No. And I think when we were training, when like Cooper was still here, I don't think he had a club. Where was he last time in France? He was Celtic, wasn't he? I think he was Celtic before. I think he went to like... Celtic, for Celtic released him. I, know we I feel like he. I know he did play for Celtic, but I think he went to Marseille or something. Ah, okay. Um, I'll have a look now, quickly, because he is French. Yeah, he's so it's not like. Uh, we'll check. We'll check. I might be wrong. Correct us in the comments, obviously, if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, he was on loan from Celtic last season at Marseille. Ah, right. Um, and then Celtic released him in the summer. Didn't I feel like from January, because it says 2021. He must have gone alone in January. But he only played four times in Marseille, so he's probably hardly played. So we're talking even longer then. We're not talking just the pre-season. We're talking... He didn't... He played four games last season I don't as know well. if he got injured when he got there, actually. Uh, 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 no. It was carnage in Marseille last season, wasn't it, with Andre Villas-Boas and all that on the board. <laughs> yeah. I think they brought him in and, and he didn't want him. Basically, yeah. that's what I was saying on I mean, Wikipedia. But I think I remember... It was a bit of carnage. Yeah, so essentially he hasn't really played for a season when he came here without the preseason. So it comes back to my point. I just I don't think he's fully fit. And it is frustrating because yeah. we're not getting the full not getting the full potential there at the moment. But you can see it's there. Yeah. It's one of those where it's annoying to keep saying it and it's annoying to have to wait and all this, but I feel like we're kind of are waiting for next season to start a little bit? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I think if we get it right, like if he gets it right in the in now, now and in the summer, and he gets the players that we've talked about that can fit into the system, and you know, and players like in Charm are fit, it's going to work, isn't it? Yeah, there's no doubt but, it's going to work. You can see it. There's a few things to iron out and sort out, but we are, you know, you, you do your other clubs that we play against. They always praise in yeah how hard we are to play against, how hard they are to work to get the result, and look. There clearly is ways for them teams to get the results at the moment and it's not nice to see and it's hard to take but the foundations are being built and they and some you know you work on the other things over the course of time hopefully if you can get them sorted it's just going to mean for a better better future uh, and then while he's here well it, it is a game of patience and sometimes the best things do come to those who wait because there has been several cases where managers have had, they come into a club in the championship, or even in the Prem, you know, they've had a year where they don't look like anything special, and then all of a sudden, 
the next season they're like will Peters. I'm sure Daniel Farker and Norwich had a similar thing. Or yeah. or Thomas Frank at Brentford. Like he was not great the first for the first I don't know how long when they started. Like they were they had a really bad run, I think, at the start of his tenure, but um turned it around. So Yeah. Maybe done it a bit quicker, but I think you know they their project as much as it wasn't just under him, Brentford now has been for a while. Like they were sell they were making stars, getting them from abroad, making them, selling them for money, buying another cheap star. But they were doing kind of under the radar for like a long time until they finally got up and went up to the Premier League. Um but it took them a while. They had to be patient. It, it's just the start of what could be a similar process with obviously different process, but gotta be patient. Yeah. Yeah. But he's gotta sort the defence out first. Yeah, because throw my head in the gear, the goals that we leak. I, I I don't know if he's gonna. We'll sit. We'll have a conversation about the defense again when we know the players that are fully involved for the rest of the season. There has been a sign in today, but we're not going to discuss it. We could discuss it in the next one. Um, as I, 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 it's literally happened as we clicked record, so I don't really know enough about him to have an opinion. So I'm not going to talk about it now. But um, yeah, anything else before we wrap up then? No, I don't think so. I think we've uh, we covered quite a lot there. Yeah, more we, of a uh, general discussion than focused on uh, just having a moan about what we fight. need in the in the transfer window. I think. So, before we do wrap up, obviously the next game is against Luton at home. Uh, had a good three-all draw the last time we played them up in their place. I say good because we came back from 3-0 down to uh, rescue a point. Yeah, that was class. That was an all-fairness. That was brilliant. Which in Cham actually scored in that game. So I Scored a screamer. So I want that. I want to see more of that. Yeah, so we're back at home. Hopefully we can get get back to winning ways. But obviously I spoke about the concern of having multiple games in a game week. It's a continuation, isn't it? So there's another midweek game after the third one, which I thought, in my theory... We can never manage three. Essentially, it's turning into four and then five when we play Blackburn next weekend. So it'll be interesting to see what Swansea turns up. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably going to be the same side, I think, that we saw on the weekend. Maybe with the tweak of Downs will come back in. Um, Maybe in Cham will come in. Maybe in Cham will come in, hopefully. I want to see... I want to see, I think, Oberfemi start with Perot because I think it could work. I think Perot could come a bit deeper and Oberfemi's got a bit of pace to get him behind. I mean, I don't really know what's going on with Oberfemi as well. He seems to have a run in the team and then he's out again because he does something. Wasn't there someone against Preston that he like walked down the tunnel and deleted his Swansea pictures off Instagram or something? Yeah, because he didn't get brought on though, wasn't he? That was just having a strop. Yeah, I know, but I mean, it seems to be a bit of a theme with him that I don't know. There was remember there was discipline issues with him, and yeah. then he had a run again, and he was out again, and now he's had a couple of games off the bench. So hopefully, um, I'd like to see him get a start with Perot. I think it could work because when he came on against Hull, I will say I think he played quite well when he came on. He had a chance, and the keeper saved onto the bar. He had another one when he got in behind. I think he's got a bit of energy up front. He's got that pace. Perot is a different type of player where he's more smarter on the ball. He's not you know running pace and taking on players. So I think it could work with Perot coming a bit deeper. Obafemi running on behind. Maybe that would work. Obafemi, 
Perot and Cham, maybe. I'd like to see that. And Cham behind them, like the two of them. Yeah, and Cham behind, or even if Perot just comes a little bit deeper. So it's sort of like Cham and Perot together and Obafemi running behind. Could be interesting. I'd like to, I'd see, like to see it too. This, yeah, but this is what we're saying. Like He's experimenting elsewhere where he's playing like Latipodi out of position and Smith. We haven't seen other experiments. Like Play two up front. To be fair, Perot played in the friendly end of Steve Cooper right at the start of the season as a cam. Yeah. So, yeah. So who knows what, it could, what would have come of that? But yeah, but like, that's what I mean. Like, we're still, we're still trying. You know, if he wants to stick with the formation, that's fine. If that's what he's sticking to, but maybe just try. You know, like we said, drop pro a little bit deeper, play Obafemi, play Kyle Joseph as a wing back one game. I don't know. Let's see what happens. Yeah. But um, yeah. Hopefully we'll be coming back. Well, the next one will be about transfers, and then hopefully we'll be coming back to talk about some better results and performances. So um, on that note, thanks for watching. Let us know in the comments who you want to sign before deadline day. Or obviously, this will probably go out after. So let us know if you're happy with who was signed, and then we can obviously talk about that in the next episode. Um, what do you think we're missing? And how do you think Russell Martin is doing so far? So let us know in the comments. We shall see you in the next one. Don't forget to subscribe and like. Uh, we are trying to grow the channel and uh, get to more people, get the conversation a little bit bigger. So um, thanks for everyone who supported us so far. And we shall see you in the next video. So goodbye. See you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The match has just finished and you're on your way home. What better way to celebrate that 90th minute winner than a McNugget share box and a few tips with your mates? You channel your inner Ronald as you race to beat the muck delivery home, just making it an injury time. Ordering muck delivery is easy on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.